Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. All right, here we are. We've made it. Episode 52. This is one year down. Uh, When I first started this podcast... I was like, man, doing one every week for a year, and then boom, just like that, you you snap your fingers, and a year has gone by. Y'all know my big thing. My big thing is time and how fast it goes, and I didn't, honestly, I didn't think I'd be able to talk about mental wellness for fucking four or five episodes, but here we are. We're 52 deep, and you guys are still here with me, so I really appreciate it. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about is, uh, you know, what you know what I hate seeing is every, every new year, people are like, fuck 2021, 2020, you suck. 2019, fuck off. I'm moving forward. New year, new me. I hate hearing all that. When people look back, when you say, I just saw so many memes, they were like, fuck 2021 worst year ever. And it's like, was it really? Because whether you believe in COVID or whether you do not believe in COVID, that's up to you, right? But look at the statistics from all the people that died from COVID in 2021 and 2020. And you're sitting there saying, fuck that whole year. You're still here. You're still above ground. You're still getting to do the things you want to do. So the year wasn't that bad for you. See, the problem, I think the problem is we're spoiled. We're coddled. We don't know uncomfortable and we don't know reality, right? We live in this this fake world, this virtual world of happiness. And when everything's not just going perfectly, we think the whole year sucks. The whole year didn't suck. Yeah, there were setbacks, but what did you learn about yourself? What did you accomplish? Did you melt into the fucking couch? If you if you lost your home, you know what? You lost your home. You got to fucking get tough and you got to get hard and you got to figure out a way to be resilient. And that's all it is, is life is throwing you resiliency curveballs and seeing which one you're going to hit and which one you're not. And if you don't even step up to the plate to swing, you're just going to sit there in the dugout and be a fucking loser. So don't sit there and bitch about the year. Yeah, you know what? You may have lost family members. You may have lost people you loved, but that's life. Shitty things happen to good people all of the fucking time. But how are you going to become resilient for it? Make 2022 your year. Fuck, I'm making it my year. And if it sucks, you know what? I'm not going to blame the year for it. That's just life. Get over it. Press the fuck on. Own it. Whatever happened, accept it. And push forward. And make yourself better. Hopefully, you are stronger for whatever you've been through in the last couple years. Because it has been a rough year. 
a couple years. I, you know, me personally, 2020, my entire, I, you don't hear me bitch about, I try not to complain a lot about um, circumstances um, because they are what they are. A lot of this shit is outside of our control. But we can make the best of what we have. And, you know, I learned that, I learned that in the Marine Corps, you know, you get a shit sandwich, but motherfucker, if you got some salt and you got some pepper, spice that bitch up a little bit and have you a seasoned shit sandwich. And this is what I'm getting at. And so in 2020, I had a lot of bad things happen, just like everybody else. My uncle was killed in March, right before the pandemic. And my uncle was like my second father. And I was in the middle of writing a book. And, um, you know, if you, if you've read my book, you know about my uncle buddy, I talk about him at length in there. And as soon as he got killed, I had a, my, my entire schedule for 2020 was completely booked out for just comedy alone, just comedy. And I was looking forward to a really good year. And, um, the carpet was pulled out from underneath me. I had multiple rental units in the, uh, in real estate market. I had tenants that wouldn't fucking pay. I had tenants that were filing hardships and you couldn't get them evicted. So you take away my revenue stream, which was comedy at the time. And now I got houses that are sitting on the market that I can't pay the mortgages on. Well, I could because I'm not a fucking dumbass with money, right? I didn't. I don't ever go out and I don't live lavishly. I don't live well beyond my means. I'm always emergency prepared. Now, obviously, you can't prepare for the apocalypse, and that's kind of what it felt like for a little while. But I got out there and I fucking hustled hard, man. And I and that's one of the things I did. It, it taught me, hey, man, when your back's against the wall, you find out who the fuck you are. So you know what I did. All right, you pull my comedy schedule from me. I wanted to write this book. I was in the middle of writing this book. Now I had nothing but time. And I could sit there and play poor, poor fucking me, you know, and after just losing my uncle and all that. But I didn't do that. I sat down at my desk and I said, I'm going to hammer out this fucking book. And I finished that book in two months. Start Well, I was about a third of the way through it, I think. But that's what really allowed me to finish my book, Create Your Own Light, was the pandemic. And then I look at it in retrospect, I look back on 2020, that year, I didn't work at all hardly. I had a couple of speaking engagements that were weird because there were masks and social distancing and all that. But that book, that gave it time to marinate, right? And people were home, people couldn't work, people couldn't do anything. They were looking for things to do. And that book came out at the, at the, the perfect time for me. And I honestly think that's what helped catapult my book was the pandemic. It wasn't a pandemic oriented book. It was just, I had my, my, um, group of supporters that support what I do. And they were like, well, fuck, I'm home. I'm bored. Let me see what this book is about. And then there was actual, actually some substance to the book and it fucking blew up. Now, am I going to sit back and pout about 2020? No, I got something good out of it. I was able to get my book done and out of that book, it helped people tremendously. I didn't know the impact that that was going to have on people's day-to-day lives, but it did. And I started getting inundated with emails and, and, and messages and on um, Instagram, Facebook and all that. And I was like, holy shit, I wasn't expecting this. So it was a wonderful year. Yeah. A lot of bad things happened. It put it financially. It fucking hurt, man. It, I was sitting on multiple properties that got really, really hard to pay for. But fortunately, I was always very smart with my funding. 
and I was prepared for a rainy day. And I'm glad the rain fucking let up for a little while because my damn umbrella was starting to was starting to collapse on me. But it let up just in time to where I could get out and start working again in 2021. And then 2021 comes, and then you have that second variant that hit, whatever the hell it was called, the corona. I don't even know. I don't. I don't pay attention to any of this shit. Coronavirus first one, whatever the second one was, and now we got Omicron or whatever. But when the second one came, Delta variant, that's what it was. When that one came, I got more dates ripped away from me. And I was like, motherfucker, am I ever going to be able to get out from underneath this? But here's also what happened in 2020. Let me back up and punt here. You know what else? You know what else happened in 2020 for me? I found the most peaceful place in my life in 2020. It allowed me to stop even during all the chaos. And it allowed me to get my farm and I got to a point, this is, this is what happened to me. I got to a point, you know, I was landlording and all this shit and I got to a point where I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I don't, I don't need to stress anymore because I told you in other episodes, I was always trying to prepare for a better financial future for my children because I didn't have that when I was young. I didn't have, um, the, you know, I don't come from wealth, let's just say. So I was trying to create something to leave to my kids because I was always the kind of guy where, fuck, I'm dying tomorrow. Um, my life is going to be snuffed out because wait, it's that, that was my reality for so long, right? <clears throat> and I wanted to do the best that I could. So I hoarded all these fucking rental properties and I had a bunch going. And when, uh, 20, when 2020 hit and I could, had tenants that couldn't pay and then you couldn't even hold them accountable because just because they didn't save for a rainy day didn't mean anything. They were allowed to live there rent free. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to stress anymore. I don't want to stress. I liquidated. I sold all of them. Every fucking one of them. I sold them all. And you know what that allowed me to do? I bought my farm and people ask sometimes I've never disclosed this, but people ask me, like, how did, how did you get that farm during the middle of a pandemic? That's fucking how people were still buying houses and I sold I sold my rentals and I bought a fucking farm and I said, you know what? It's time for me to do something for me. That's what I talk about in those selfish episodes. Sometimes you got to get selfish. Now I wasn't in a position where I was going to lose my rentals. I wasn't, I wasn't there. So that's not why I sold them. I didn't sell them because I was scared and, and all of this. I didn't sell them because I couldn't make the mortgages. It was tough. It was hard, but I planned for it financially and that rainy day came and I was prepared for it. But what I wasn't prepared for was the amount of stress and that's where I talk about alleviating stress in your life. Like, where can you alleviate stress? Because at the end of the day, none of this shit means anything. And in 2020, not only did I drop my book, Create Your Own Light, and it became a success, I bought I bought the most peaceful place on earth for myself during the middle of a fucking pandemic. That's because I didn't sit around feeling sorry for myself. And I kept moving. And I kept making moves. And I kept moving, shuffling my feet. And I didn't lay on the couch and fucking cry and play poor, poor me. And that's what I'm saying. Just because times get tough doesn't mean you have to get weak. When times get tough, you got to get hard and you got to get tough with them. And the only way I think that we can do that successfully is when the good times are good, you have to plan for the bad times. And that way, when the bad times come, you're not ill prepared. You are prepared. And, you, and right now, times aren't horrible, horrible, but they're not fucking great. But what can you do in your life right now to start planning financially or just from a stress-free standpoint to set yourself up so 
if something, God forbid, does happen horribly in this country, which some people have their opinions on, how are you going to be prepared for that? Are you just going to roll with the punches? And then when there is no food on the shelves, that's not the time to learn how to become a farmer. And that's not what I'm doing out here. I'm not, I'm not a fucking prepper by any means. I happen to grow up very country. So I know how to kill animals and skin them and cook them. And I'll eat fucking tree, tree bark if I have to. I'm not out here prepping and hoarding a bunch of food and shit for the apocalypse. That's not what I'm doing. That's not why I bought this place. I bought this place for me to just escape. And I'm glad I did. So that's what 2020, that's what the shittiest, one of the shittiest years when people say, oh, go fuck yourself 2020. That's what it brought for me. Think about it. What did it bring for you? Can you look back in 2021, everybody that said fuck 2021, can you look back and, and, and honestly say every single one of those days was bad? Did 2021 come on a calendar when, when 2021 hit on January the 1st, 2021? Did it say, you know what? I'm setting out to fuck so-and-so this year. No, this is called life. And the thing is, I think life is so polarizing now because we have all this social media. The times seem like they suck. They really do. And I talk with Randy all the time, my friend. And I'm like, dude, do you think the world is more violent now? Or has it always been this way? And now we just have a glimpse into it at every turn. I can look into the window of the world at any time during the day if I want. And it seems like there's a shooting here. There's a murder there. There's a kidnapping here. There's a bombing here. There's always this and there's always that. Where when you're unplugged from that, there's none of that. And that's why I love coming out to my farm so much. Because there is none of that going on in my world unless I choose for it to be going on in my world. Think about that too. When you think the world is so bad, that's why I don't watch Fox News anymore. I mean, I don't watch um, CNN. I never would turn that fucking channel on. But anyway, I don't watch any of them because I don't want that in my world. Now, am I ignorant because I don't know what's going on in the world? Or am I smart because I'm not believing all the lies that they're telling? I don't know, but I'm happy. And I encourage you to find that too. Look back on 2021. Was all 365 days just dog shit? Or did you realize, can you look back and realize, hey, you know what? You know what those times taught you? You probably grew more than you suffered. You just don't know it yet. You probably learned skills. You obtained things. You achieved goals that you didn't even realize that you that you set. What you're doing is you're polarizing the bad moments. Maybe, unfortunately, you lost a family member to COVID, and that does suck. Maybe you lost multiple members to COVID, and that sucks too. But people die. That's what happens, and I'm not taking anything away from that. That's where we got to learn to not get sucked into that black hole of depression. When, when people go away, that's one of the hardest things in the world to deal with. And if, if you let it, it's going to, you're, of course you're not ready. You're, we're never ready to lose things that we love. We're never ready to lose people, right? But that's going to happen to everybody. At some point, you're going to start losing a lot of people that you love in life. And you can't let it drag you down. You got to find the good in that moment, in those moments, right? When you look back after somebody that you loved is taken away, you don't reflect on all their shitty times. Most of the time we reflect on the good times that we had with them. So think about your year. When you look back at that shitty year that was so horrible, don't reflect on the bad, reflect on the good. This sounds like a fact of facts of life fucking introduction, doesn't it? You take the good, you take the, y'all remember that song, the facts of life? Go fuck yourselves. You know, and one other thing I forgot to mention was in 2020, I started this podcast 
and I should have said that at the beginning. I think I kind of did, but I didn't reference the shitty year 2020 and fuck 2020, but I didn't realize this podcast was going to do what it does. And I'm so fucking thankful for every single one of you. I, I can't put into words what it means, the support. I just got a text message from, from a dear friend now from the 303 project in uh, Tennessee and Cleveland, Tennessee, become I've become pretty close with some of those folks and uh, I just got a really inspiring message that made me smile and um, she checked in yesterday and said something nice too so I was kind of busting balls a little bit by saying that's that's two big smiles in two days so I appreciate that so you guys will never ever know the impact that that you all have made on my life by supporting me putting my shit out there you know because it is hard sometimes to to be be vulnerable. And, uh, I want to talk about a little bit of vulnerability with you. I don't know how in depth I'm going to go with this, but, um, this is what I want to talk about since this is a year, we might as well make this motherfucker hit hard and don't somebody, somebody messaged yesterday and they're like, man, I heard your tone and it kind of worried me, your tone and your, your podcast. It was great, but I heard your tone and I'm just checking on you. And I, I appreciate that, but I'm good. Um, and there's a lot of people that say they're good when they're not good because they're not good at talking about it. Um, some of this stuff gets hard to talk about. So my tone may may sound a little different because it's it's hard for me to have excitement in my voice when when I'm talking about <clears throat> dark things. Well, yesterday I put a call in to a uh, to a counselor that I know. I've never had a session with this counselor. I've actually worked professionally on an event with this counselor, but I felt like this was someone that, that I could really trust. And, um, I didn't call my therapist and there's a reason for that. And I learned this yesterday. All right. And this is, this is what I want to get at. So everything's going great in my life. We're sitting here, we're talking about fuck 2020, fuck 2021. And, you know, I've, I've had a shitty go in the last couple of years, but in the in those last couple years, I'm doing all right. I'm doing good, and everything seems to be going fine. You know, I'm all smiles on Instagram. You're, I'm not going to show you the the hard parts, right? I'm not going to talk about certain things that don't need to be said because there's a there's a certain level of privacy. I think every human being should have, and we never should really expose that privacy because a lot of times that can be used against you. Not saying you all would do that, but. I keep a lot of things to myself. I get to choose. That's the beauty of this thing. And the beauty of whatever you experience, you get to choose what you divulge, right? So yesterday, I'm sitting in a pasture. My back's all fucked up, right? And I was just laying under the tree. I got a, I got a favorite tree out there. And this is this is why I want to talk about suicide. And this is why I want to talk about how how dangerous it really is. Because if you're not on your A game, even when everything's great in your life, a lot of times... That's the most dangerous time in our lives is when everything is great. And this is what I realized. I was sitting under a tree. I had my dog fancy next to me. I'm looking at my animals, my two horses, my three donkeys. Sunshine was beautiful, man. It was 51 degrees. It felt great. And I was just happy. But I was also thinking about shooting myself and not because I wanted to. But the thought entered my mind and that's called suicide ideation. And I talk about this in my course, post-traumatic purpose a lot. 
a lot of people don't realize they say when you kill yourself, it's the easy way out. And, um, it's, it's actually the complete opposite. So killing yourself or killing myself is, is one of the hardest things that I ever thought about or ever tried to do. And the reason is this, there's a component in the brain and I may have talked about this and I'm, I'm not a, a fucking, um, um, so pardon me for not being anatomically correct or being a, a medical doctor, but there's something in our brains that gives us the fight or flight syndrome. And when we're in danger, our natural response is to fight it or flee from it. And it's no different with suicide. When nobody just wakes up and says, Hey, I'm going to shoot myself today. Boom. Most people, when they do that, they've thought about it so many times that they've killed that natural reaction in their brain, or they've, they've found a way to override the fear of the actual event of death or suicide because of suicide ideation, because they've seen it so many times and they've played it in their mind so many times they've become comfortable with it and they're no longer afraid of it. Well, I'm here to tell you just because you've been down that road and you, and you think you've gotten away from it, it never leaves you. I want to, I want to make that point clear. I'm fine right now. This isn't me reaching out for help. This isn't me like throwing up red flags, but I mean, I want to tell you that you're still going to have those thoughts, even during the most perfect times. Those never leave you once they start. They may go away for a while. And that's what I experienced yesterday. I haven't had those thoughts in a long time, very long time. I couldn't even tell you when, because things have been going so well. And it scared me to the point where I was like, why would I have this thought if everything seems so, so great right now? So I picked up the phone and I called somebody that I knew would, would shoot it to me straight. And she's told me like this, she says, you know, as a first responder, a lot of times, and it made so much sense. She said, chaos is calm and calm is chaos. And think about that for first responders. Chaos for us is not what chaos is for most people. We thrive on chaos. We excel during chaotic moments. That's where we really shine. And the calm is complete chaos for us. Where most people say, man, I want to go put my toes in the sand and have a nice relaxing day on the beach. We can't do that. Because that's when we think about blowing our fucking brains out. Because we need some chaos in our life. And that's that's the juice that's that juice we get. That's that release of endorphins that we get from constant chaos. And that's why first responders lives are so fucking disruptive because what's normal to us is not normal to other people. And that's when other people glimpse into our world and you look at, you look at our lives. They're very chaotic. A lot of times, a lot of times our look at our fucking divorce rate. We have chaos. We create chaos when there is no chaos. I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm, I'll raise my hand and raise your hand if you are too. Put your fucking hands down. I know some of you are raising your hands, but listen to me. When everything is going good and everything is calm, take suicide out of the equation. You ever see those people? I'm not, so I'm not a drama queen by any means, right? But you ever see those people that are in relationships? They're always fighting, right? This isn't, this isn't me. I create different kinds of chaos. But there's couples, they always are just at each other's throat. That's because that's how they thrive. They don't know how not to be that way. Being calm and not having that is would be fucking weird. I have a friend, I won't name drop, 
But he told me his uncle and his aunt were like this. And he goes, they were always screaming at each other to the point where it was fucking normal. Now take that away. And somebody would be like, well, what's the matter with you today? Nothing's the matter with me. Why? Because you're not fucking yelling at me. Think about that for a second. So when I was on the phone with her, we were talking about that. Then we got into this whole guilt versus shame thing. And I know I'm going to fuck this all up. But I don't even remember how we stumbled onto the guilt versus the shame thing. But this is the, I've never even associated the two as being different. But check this out. She threw it on me yesterday. And guilt is this. Guilt is when you know you've done something wrong. I've just never thought about it. More than two seconds, I guess. But guilt is when you know you've done something wrong. You hit somebody and you're you're immediately sorry for it. You say something, you're immediately sorry for it. Shame is a whole different fucking ball game. Shame is when you feel bad for the for who you are, for what you represent. And shame is the motherfucker. Shame is the one that puts you in the dirt. And I've had that. And that comes from survivor's guilt like a motherfucker. I have felt so much shame in my life and never felt good enough at certain points in my life to the point where I've looked in the mirror and I was like, who, who are you? What are you? And I actually couldn't fucking answer that. I mean, I know now I'm not in that place anymore, but man, there was times where I was just a fucking shame to who I was. And it wasn't that I really did anything wrong. I just wasn't proud of the man that I was. I wasn't proud of what I represented anymore and what I stood for. And I've always tried to do, do good and be the best that I could. But when shame gets in you, in your system, you got to find a way to rid yourself of that. And you have to understand this. I think it's important to recognize the two go Google them and look them up because Travis Howes, I promise you just white trashed both of those definitions and fucked them all up. But if you go Google it, all right, and learn a little bit about it, I think that you could help yourself recognize the difference between the two. And when you start feeling shameful for who you are, you need to stop it. And you need to understand you're a good person. And you need to understand there's a lot of fucking great things inside of yourself. You may be a little bit damaged, but you got nothing to be ashamed of. And I think that's what drives people down that road to suicide a lot of times. And that got deep as shit, but I felt like we needed to get that out. I really think it's important for everybody to know the difference between guilt and shame because it, it really put a whole new perspective on it yesterday when I learned about it. I was actually in bed last night Googling the difference, and I was like, I'm going to talk about this on my podcast tomorrow, and I know I'm going to fuck it up because I don't write things down perfectly. <laughs> I fucked it up. So Google the difference, but understand this. I've done a lot of bad things in my life. I'm no saint. But I got nothing to be ashamed of, and nor do you. You can overcome all of that, and you can have a great outcome to your life, I promise you. But you got to recognize it in yourself, and you got to fix it. So I learned, I learned something else yesterday too, and I think this is important for people that are looking for therapists and looking to connect to the right therapist. I think there's... Um, for the longest time, I've always talked about, you know, find a therapist that works for you, find one that you can connect with and have a relationship with. And now I'm starting to think that that could be, that could be detrimental. And this is why after talking with this lady yesterday, um, she's super cool. And she, I mean, she works with a lot of the special forces units around the country and stuff. So 
she's in it. I mean, she's neck deep in it and she gets it. Um, we talked about some things that I'd never disclosed to my therapist ever. And she asked me, she's like, why do you think you're telling me this? And you've never told your therapist that. And I didn't have the answer. I said, I don't know. She goes, how long have you been with your therapist? I said, a long time. She goes, do you care about her? I said, I do. And she goes, that's why you don't share that information. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, a lot of times when people go to therapy, they'll develop, they'll develop a relationship with their therapist where they actually care what their therapist thinks about them. And they don't want to tell a lot of the dirty, dark shit because they're afraid that it'll it'll skew their therapist vision or thoughts about their, their client. And I was like, holy shit. When I thought about that, that's exactly why I don't disclose a lot of stuff with, with the girl that I see because I care what she thinks. And you hear me in other episodes say, fuck what people think, blah, 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 blah. Well, look, I'm backtracking on that one because I do care what my therapist thinks because I've, that's one of the few people on this earth that I've been so intimately involved with when it comes to my words that I don't want to skew her vision of me. And it, it made me start thinking, well, I need somebody else that I can go to with the real bad shit. Cause there is some real bad shit, but I can't do it with her. And I want you, I want, I want you to think about that. Like, so I know, I know some people, they go to therapy and it's a check in the box. And then I know some people that really go and they really try, but maybe they're not trying hard enough. Maybe they're really not disclosing some of the things they need to be disclosing because of that very thing right there, because it's hard to tell people that you care about exact, like the real, the real hard shit. So think about that. And what, what do you need to do to ensure that you're not just going through the motions in therapy, but you're actually talking about the things that are important. And usually those things that are important are going to be those dirty ass dark things that you need to learn a little bit about so you can make yourself better. We had a fantastic conversation and we started talking about addictions and all of this. Now I'm not I'm not an addict. Uh, I've never, I've never been on drugs. Um, I did have some alcohol abuse in my past and I haven't drank in over nine years, but it was interesting to learn, you know, cause I, I was, we were talking about first responders and just how, how susceptible we are to, um, to having vices because a lot of times those vices are, are thrills to us because we don't get a thrill from anything else in the world, anything. And we're, we're very numb. So a lot of times we put ourselves in positions, um, with, with bad choices to get those thrills. And it's not because we're bad people. It's not because you're a bad person. I'm not talking to anybody specifically here. Um, but I think a lot of times that's where the guilt and the shame, those shameful feelings come from is because you do things that you're not proud of, but there's a reason you're doing it. And that reason is you need it. You need that excitement. You need that juice in your life to make you feel alive. And it's hard for people that are, that would listen to this, that have never been in this business to understand that it like, I always go back to Best Buy. I don't know why I pick on Best Buy, but a motherfucker working at Best Buy who doesn't get any rushes in life other than selling a fucking TV would not understand this. And that's why we're so different. And that's why 
we keep to ourselves. And that's why we only fucking hang out with people like us. It's because we get each other. I get you. You get me. You know what I mean? And we attract like-minded people. But I don't want you to think because you make some bad decisions that you're a bad person. What you need to do is educate yourself on those bad decisions. A lot of times we don't even know why. We don't know why we have a drinking problem, a gambling problem, a drug problem, a sex problem. We don't know why we have all these things. And when we don't know, we're not educated, right? And so we, you're, you're on a rat wheel. You keep doing the continuous thing over and over and over and over because it's just what you're used to. And nobody's ever sat you down and talked to you about it. And that's why I think therapists are so important and such an important piece of the mental wellness puzzle when it comes to first responders because we only know, we only know so much about us, but then there's other people that can give us all these, these different insights to our behaviors and how we tick and, and why we tick the way that we tick. I used to not care why I ticked the way that I ticked. I, I was just like, hey, I, this is how I am. Fuck it. But once you understand it, you grow to... You grow to appreciate it and you actually grow to love it and you become more peaceful because of it. You won't be sitting there with a gun in your mouth because you're ashamed of the person you are because you, you don't understand it. Well, you never took the time to understand it. You never, you never sought out the resources that could help you understand it. And that's what we're here to do. This little community that we have, we're here to be resourceful for one another, to pick one another up. To kind of lead the horses to water when they need to take a drink. You know, not shoving their fucking heads under it and holding them down. But at least showing them the trough. Like, hey, here's a resource for you. What you choose to do with it, that's up to you. And this is a predominantly male business that we're in. And it's a predominantly alpha male business that we're in. So it's not easy for a lot of these Guys like me, I'm just speaking about guys like me. It's not easy to take those steps. And I don't need to rehash all of that. But the more we talk about it, the more we encourage it, the more normal it's going to be. Right? I have something that I've been working on. It's a, it's actually a major, probably the biggest announcement that I've ever had in my life that I'm working on for 2023. Um, I'm not, I'm not doing this to leave anybody hanging or anything, but I do want to put it out there in the universe that I am working on something that's the biggest thing I've ever been a part, will be a part of if, if it comes to fruition, because it's, it's something that I'm doing. Started looking into it last year, um, hit some roadblocks, had to reassess, had to regroup, but Hey, that's what we do. Right. And you figure it the fuck out. I've learned in life that timing is everything. Uh, a lot of times I used to force the time and I would force things to go my way. And when they wouldn't go my way, I'd get pissed off. Um, I'd go against everything the universe was throwing at me instead of going with it. I went against it and it was exhausting and it was, um, demotivating and it was depressing. And now I've realized things. I, you know, I talk about this in my book a lot, man. It's about, um, just going with the universe, shifting as it shifts and it's like, it's like your, the universe is your dance partner, right? And it has to be a constant fluid movement. When, when the universe's hips, you're facing the universe and the universe's hips shift to the left, 
yours go to the right at simultaneously. You can't do, you can't shift your hips to the left when you're dancing with the universe and the universe shifts their, its hips to the left. Cause then you go opposite ways. That's what happens. You have to be, it has to be a choreographed dance movement with the universe. That's what I try to do now. Fuck it. You don't, if this thing today isn't going to work out for me, fuck it. The timing will work itself out. And that's what I'm getting at. I think we could take a lot of pressure off of ourselves if we just understand that. And we really understand the concept of the right time. Timing is everything, everything. And that's what's going on now. We've, um, I've shifted focus, took a couple months, the right pieces are starting to fall in place and the dance is starting again. And hopefully we get a couple more steps into the dance and we can do the entire song in 2023 will be an amazing fucking thing happening for first responders all across this country. So fingers crossed on that. And until that time comes, just got to keep dancing, baby. Speaking of dancing, I want to tell you all a story because uh, I haven't told one today. I like I like telling telling about some of the dumb shit that's happened to me over the years. So since we're talking about dancing, I want to tell you all about the time I almost amputated my um, my big toe when I was dancing when I was in the Marines. So both of my big toes, if you ever get to see them, they both have gnarly scars where both of them were almost taken off for me at different times in my life. One was from a fucking pressure washer. And I think I told that story. A commercial grade pressure washer hit my bare foot and it blew the tendons apart in my foot. And my, my damn toe was just hanging there like a freak show. And then the other one, check this out. I don't know how the fuck I'm still alive, but because of some of the, this is just one of the dumb things. So we're at a mess night when I was in the Marine Corps and we were dancing and it was all dudes. There's only, there's so there's like 200, guys in my company there's 200 of us there and there's like three women all right but we're all on the dance floor we're a bunch of marines and we're all fucked up drunk we're in our alpha uniforms well i got down to just my pants and my my dress attire the rest of like my my alpha jacket and my dress shirt underneath was gone my core frame shoes were gone my socks were gone i was barefoot and somehow i ended up with two champagne bottles one in each hand and I went to pour them over my head while I was on the dance floor listening to Bee Gees Staying Alive because that was my jam back in the day. And the two bottoms of the bottles hit, and when they did, they broke. Well, one of the broken shards, a big-ass piece of the bottle, fell, and it went through my big toe. Like I had to, It was stuck in my big toe, and I had to pull it out. And it was gushing blood all over the dance floor. Um, the CO runs over there to command an officer who really never had anything to do with us. He, he runs over tells me to get the fuck out of there and get to the, the Naval hospital, which is a couple miles down the road. So I was a squad leader at the time and I had to get, I had to get my boy, um, Jesse Cubbage to, uh, scoop me and take me to the hospital. But here's, here's the bad part. Before we went, I had to jump into the new river and the new river was a dirty, dirty fucking river on Camp Lejeune. It was like a lot of the pig waste from upstream would come down that way. It was a a nasty fucking river. And so for some reason I ran out back and jumped in the river and submerged myself in the cold ass new river. And then, uh, I was like, all right, now I'm good to go. And because Marines were amphibious as fuck. So I couldn't go to the hospital without feeling like a fucking amphibian. And, uh, we get into my Oldsmobile Delta 88 four door that was missing a, um, a back window because a girl punched it out at a nightclub one time. Her name was Julie and she was crazy as shit. Let me tell you all about this girl real quick. We were at club Schwannix and, uh, but me and a bunch of my, my Marine Corps buddies 
and Julie saw me dancing with another girl and I'm just out there doing, you know, doing some Christian dance moves and just like we were at church, you know, and, uh, Julie runs outside and I see the look on her face. I'm like, shit. So I had to stop my Christian dance. And I think, um, we were listening to the Tootsie Roll by the 69 boys or something like that. And, uh, I run outside at parking lot <clears throat> and Julie's standing next to my car, which we named James Brown because it was a Brown Delta 88 and it was just, it was just cool. And, uh, the back window was missing the back passenger window and Julie's standing there crying and her hands bleeding. And I was like, did you just punch my fucking window out? And Julie goes, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I look in the back, in the back seat and there's blood in the back seat. There's glass in the back seat. There's blood on the glass. There's glass in her hand. It's bleeding. Now, this was before I was a police officer, so I didn't have any detective training skills just yet. But I was fairly certain that she punched my fucking window out and she denied it. And then my buddy Nelson, I'm not even going to tell you. Y'all have to message me if you want to know. Now, nah, I don't even know. I'm not even going to put that in a message. But Nelson said something to this girl and she went fucking crazy. And it was the funniest thing in the world that I've heard somebody ever say to somebody's face, but it's, it's very inappropriate. And y'all know me on the Christian network here. I try to keep it very appropriate. I'm just going to have to leave you guys to wonder for the rest of your lives. Maybe that'll be in my next book. But anyway, he said what he said and she went fucking nuts. And, and, and needless to say, she and I weren't dating anymore. Um, that was the last time I saw Julie, but anyway, back to my original story. So we hop in after, after I almost amputate my toe, we hop in James Brown, my Delta 88. And this is the same one we used to drive up to Tennessee on the weekends and see these girls that we knew at uh, East Tennessee State University, which by the way, I'll be in Johnson city with the Johnson city fire department, uh, coming up very soon, be doing a couple training courses, but the back window was knocked out when we would take the trips up there, me and the Marines. And it was so fucking cold going through the mountains that the Marines that were riding with me in the back seat, they were laying on the floor. We had this kid we called Yin and he laid on the back floor. <laughs> he, he laid on the back floorboard every, every time we got up into the mountains. Cause the fucking wind was coming in. We didn't put a trash bag on it. We just rode, we were riding dirty. So anyway, after I amputate my toe, we go to the hospital. Now, any, any good Marine, any Marine worth his salt knows you don't walk by a pull-up bar without getting some right. And on a Marine Corps base, there's pull-up bars everywhere. They're every fucking where because fitness is our thing. So I'm hobbling up the emergency pad where the ambulances park. And uh, I see these pull-up bars and I tell Jesse Cubbage, I say, Hey, I got to hit these real quick. Now I'm drenched. I'm looking like swamp thing. Cause I just came out of the new river. I got blood pouring out of my foot. Still, it still hasn't stopped. And uh, I'm just, I'm banging out pull-ups cause I would hit 20 at a time because I was, I was in good shape back then. And I'd, I'd hit my 20. And then, uh, then we walked into the emergency room. And when we did, People were looking at us. Here I am in dress pants, no shirt, and a fucking amputated foot or toe. And I just got out of a muddy river. So you got to imagine sitting in the, and I'm drunk as shit, by the way. And y'all, I'm telling y'all, y'all wouldn't, back during my drinking days, y'all didn't want none of this because we were fucking wild. But anyway, we sit down so long that nobody would see us. So I got mad. I was like, fuck this. And we left and, and I made Jesse drive me back to my barracks where I slept and I passed out in my bed and 
the next morning, my staff sergeant comes in to check on me to make sure I went to the hospital. And uh, when he found out that we came back and didn't get treatment, he was fucking furious. Now, I'm lucky bacteria didn't eat my foot off. But I'm also lucky that because the wound was so severe that apparently after so many hours, they can't do stitches. They, I guess they would have had to go to Staples or whatever. But, oh, there's a story where a Marine was uh, damn near murdered in my barracks with a guitar when he got bashed over the head. And he had to get staples, so I didn't want staples. But that's another story. So I didn't want staples, right? Staff sergeant jumps all up in my ass. He does flutter kicks in my asshole. Like he's like, he stretched it out for me real good and made me go back. And then when I went back, they finally put stitches in it. And so I was able to heal. So that is the story of my amputated, one of my amputated toes. Maybe I'll tell you all the story about when I broke my foot running off the back of a helicopter another day. And then when I got caught running, because mind you, we're all about PT, physical physical training, physical fitness. That's our thing as Marines. We like to be in top shape, right? And I had a fucking full cast on my foot, and I was running three miles. I was out running, and I got caught running, and I destroyed my cast, and I got in trouble for that. But that's a story for another day. But until until that day comes, um, I hope you all had a good one. I'm glad we got to talk a little shit on here. And, uh, hey, this is the year mark, baby. So um, thank you all for being here. We did it. We hit a year. Travis Howes commits to something, it's getting fucking done. So why don't we commit to a great year together and let's get this done, all right? Later. Later.